welcome to Ladies Can We Talk, and actually soon to be called America Can We Talk. This is Debbie Georgiatis, and this is my very first podcast in a series of podcasts called Let's Talk More. My radio show, Ladies Can We Talk, is live in Dallas on Sunday evenings at 6.60 a.m. and live online anywhere in America by going to ladieskenwetalk.org and clicking on Listen Live. It's 6 to 8 p.m. Sunday evenings on 6.60 a.m. And around America, it's available for everyone. But Ladies Can We Talk is soon moving to be on July 4th. We are moving to a new name, same great content, new name, America Can We Talk. Well, in this very first podcast, I want to talk about what happened in Orlando over this past weekend. And not I don't want to dwell on just the tragedy of it, because because of course it was a tragedy, but on my radio show and in my book and all my talks around the country, I try to always focus on what do we do moving forward? How do we move and make progress to prevent things like this happening in the future and to preserve our precious, exceptional country? In order to understand how we preserve it, we have to get a little more familiar with some facts that maybe a lot of us don't focus on. So to start with, of course, our prayers, our thoughts, our concerns are with the families of those who lost loved ones in this horrific jihadist attack in the Orlando gay nightclub called Pulse. Not only were there 49 innocent victims killed by an Islamic terrorist, but in addition, there are family members, friends, and a community shocked and grieving. And it's a wonderful thing for our president and others to say our thoughts and prayers are with you. But folks, thoughts and prayers are not enough. We have to take better, wise action based on facts. And I want to start with just talking about a little bit about the uh, this gentleman who was the killer. I shouldn't call him a gentleman. This man who was a killer, Omar Mateen. He is was an American citizen, but he was drawn to radical Islamic ideology. And at the time of the killing, it's important to know this if you haven't heard this on the news. During when he entered that Pulse nightclub, he actually called nine one one in the middle of the shooting, declared his allegiance to ISIS, which is an Islamic, radical, murderous organization based in the Middle East, declared his allegiance to that group and continued shooting and killing innocent people, yelling Allahu Akbar, which is what many of the jihadist terrorists around the world yell and say as they are killing innocent people. So for those who try to say this has nothing to do with Islam, I want to turn and focus first on just introducing some reality, some facts, some truth about what Islam teaches about homosexuality, because it's just not okay for people to say, well, I'm sure the religion didn't teach that. He was out of line. He was uh, being extreme. He was uh, not, you know, he, this couldn't be following Islam. So I want to share just a few things with you on that subject. First, there was a, is an Islamic scholar. He's been quoted extensively in the media since this time. An Islamic scholar named Sheikh Farouk Sekalashfar. I can't say his name correctly. Sekalashfar. Doesn't matter how you say his name. This man spoke in a mosque in Orlando, same place where this shooting occurred in just a few days ago. That Sheikh spoke, and he is an Islamic scholar. 
He spoke at the Husseini Islamic Center and said specifically, death is the sentence for gays. We know there's nothing to be embarrassed about this. Death is a sentence. We have to have that compassion for people with homosexuals. He's describing murdering homosexuals as compassion. That's what he's actually saying. And this person, the same sheikh who spoke in Orlando days before this incident, has made this same speech in other places around the world, made this same speech about the teachings of Islam being based, including, it include the idea that we mu- they must, loyal Muslims must kill, are permitted to kill, can kill people because they are Muslim. And I, it is important to get this fact because the media keeps trying to separate the idea of how this man conducted himself and what Islam teaches. So I want to share with you just a few verses, and there are many more like this in the Quran. One verse, Quran 70, excuse me, Quran 7, 80 through 84, is interpreted around the world to mean gay people must be stoned to death. That passage in the Quran says, For ye practice your lusts on men in preference to women, ye are indeed a people transgressing beyond bounds, and we rain down on them a shower of brimstone. This account is borrowed from the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Muslim scholars throughout the centuries have taught that this rain of stones passage in the Quran means that homosexuals must be stoned to death. And it's important to note that even though this, um, we don't know what kind of Islamic training this young man had who committed the killing, that Islam in many countries in the world teaches exactly what that sheikh said, exactly what that, what the Quran passage, and that Quran passage isn't the only one. It's not like one little isolated passage. The Quran repeatedly throughout its writings teaches that gay people, members of the LGBT community, must be stoned to death. And I will tell you another thing. In fact, I will tell you, I'll put this up on the Ladies Can We Talk Facebook page and on the America Can We Talk Facebook page and on our websites. We're also going to have a new website, americacanwetalk.org, along with ladieskenwetalk.org. But there is a, a Islamic scholar, a brilliant woman in America who wrote about this. Her name is Ayan Hirsi Ali. She was raised in Islam in Ethiopia. She has written books about explaining what Islam really teaches. And Ayan Hirsi Ali had a commentary in the Wall Street Journal on June 13th, the day after the Islamic massacre at the Orlando Pulse uh, nightclub. And she, Ayan Hirsi Ali, talks about and says homophobia is an integral part of Islamic extremism. It's part of the teachings. And she talks about, regardless of what other religions teach, regardless of what the fact that there are millions of innocent Muslims who would not engage in conduct like this, it's very important to understand that Muslim homophobia is institutionalized. It comes from the scriptures of Islam, has evolved over centuries and been taught that way, is taught in Muslim, in, by mosques, in mosques, by imams, in Islamic universities around the country. And, and it's also important to note that many Muslim-majority countries have laws that criminalize and punish homosexuals in line with this Islamic law that's in the Quran. 
It is not just a few random people. Actually, countries that are Islamic at base their laws on Islam, 40 out of the 57 Muslim-majority countries or territories in the world have laws that criminalize homosexuality. They prescribe punishments ranging from fines, jail sentences, whippings, putting in prison for 10 years or more, or death. And the, we're not, by the way, talking about, you know, back in, in Muhammad's time, at, you know, in the first century AD. We're talking about today, in the year 2016, countries that purport on some level to be modern countries, 40 of the 57 Muslim-majority countries in this world, punish by stoning to death, whipping and imprisoning people for being homosexuals. So the idea that Omar Mateen was not acting consistent with Islamic teaching is false. I know, and we all know, that most Muslims in the world, most Muslims in America, most Muslims in the world do not engage in the conduct like he did. But that doesn't change the fact. And it's just, there, there's a really important reason I'm telling you all of this, an important reason why I'm telling you what Islam teaches, what Islamic countries today still teach, still put in their laws. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes. I want to share some other facts, though, about what not just Ayan Hirsi Ali, but other outspoken former Muslims will say in trying to reveal to the world that. Islam itself teaches violence toward homosexuals, violence toward members of the LGBT community. There was a Middle East Research Institute reported in 2006 about this Sheikh Yusuf al-Karadawi, one of the world's leading Sunni clerics and chairman of the European Council for Fatwa and Research, was asked, how should gay people be punished? He said, some people, some say, we should throw them from a high place, like God did with the people of Sodom. Some say we should burn them, and so on. There is disagreement. The important thing is to treat this act like a crime. Even in the modern country of England, in 2009, 2009 Anjem Shadari, who is an infamous London imam, he's the self-proclaimed judge of the Sharia court of the UK, said in a press conference that all homosexuals should be stoned to death. This is not a Muslim-majority country. This is not a historically Islamic country. This is modern England. And an imam in England announcing that in a public press conference that all homosexuals should be stoned to death. Similarly, in the US, Muzamil Siddiqui, the former president of the Islamic Society of North America, has written, homosexuality is a moral disorder. It's a moral disease. No person is born homosexual, just like no one is born a thief, a liar, or a murderer. People acquire these evil habits due to a lack of proper, gu proper guidance and education. And I say all this because the reason to try to, the reason to learn things about this, the reason to understand what Islam teaches about homosexuality 
is that if we can understand, if we don't understand it, we can't address the problem. We can't solve the problem. We can't speak about the problem correctly. We're going to go on. We have several more segments to talk about this attack in Orlando. But the first point I hope I've made very clear is that Omar Mateen was acting in direct obedience to the teachings of Islam. Not all Muslims, in fact, the majority of Muslims are not violent, but that doesn't change the fact what Omar Mateen Mateen did was exactly what Islamic scripture and scholars and experts said obedient Muslims should do. This is Debbie Georgias and Ladies Can We Talk, soon to be America Can We Talk, in our first of many podcasts under our Let's Talk More podcast series. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. Hi, this is Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. Colleges go up on their rankings because of test scores. When your student has a great score, they can get free college. I am giving away my 15 secrets to free college. Go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com. Click on 15 secrets to free college and use the code radio. You're going to learn the secret formula that colleges use to get you free college. So again, that's www.collegeprepgenius.com. I was leaving an exercise class. All of a sudden, the pain started. My entire chest. Shortness of breath. Very fatigued. Nauseated. Thought that it was nothing much, maybe just stress. You're having a heart attack. I'm healthy, I'm young. There's no way it could be my heart, no way. Heart disease doesn't discriminate. Listen to your body, go get checked. Heart disease is the number one killer in women. And this is something that we can fight. Visit GoRedForWomen.org to learn a woman's risk for heart disease. Hi, I'm Danny O'Connell. I'm partner at Benefit Resource Group, a family-owned boutique insurance agency. BRG is one of the leading boutique agencies here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our mission is to add value to our clients and employees' lives through creative insurance solutions. When you start going upstream to a regional or even a national type provider, the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom. A lot of times, they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need. Numerous times they've already made an agreement and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end and they may not always be the best in your area or for your situation being a boutique we are independent we have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you it's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents you can reach us at 214-750-7557 and you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com Hi, my name is Gil Bonifaz, and I'm the owner-operator of Cafe Herrera at the Omni in downtown Dallas. As a fourth-generation restaurateur, we strive to bring you a new generation of Tex-Mex and to continue on the legacy that was started by my great-grandmother over 45 years ago. At Cafe Herrera, we're taking a modern approach towards Tex-Mex. From our sizzling fajita bar to our tequila craft cocktails, we strive to provide the best experience possible for all our diners and continue the legacy that was started over 45 years ago. Whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks, or catering, we'd love to see you out. Find us at CafeHerrera.com. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can sometimes be a battle in itself. Making the transition back to civilian life or active duty with a traumatic injury can be the challenge of a lifetime. The USO provides every American a way to support our wounded warriors and their families through every phase of their medical treatment and rehabilitation. It's how all of us, as a community, can give something back to our heroes. It's how we can say thank you and assure them that their sacrifice is recognized and appreciated by every one of us. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in the lives of our wounded warriors and their families. The USO. Until everyone comes home. Tuned in to the Real News Communications Network, streaming 24 hours a day at realnewscn.com and the RNCN app. And welcome back to Ladies Can We Talk and soon to be America Can We Talk. This is Debbie Georgiatis. We are expanding the name of our show from Ladies Can We Talk to America Can We Talk starting with July 4th. And we're doing that really in part to make the show's title more consistent with the content. This show has always been for all Americans and about all of America and Ladies Can We Talk, America Can We Talk, we are always dedicated to celebrating the exceptional nature of America and also to inspiring people to feel part of the process of preserving America, to be tuned into why America is great so we protect the things about America that are great. And we're talking in this today's podcast, this is the first of many podcasts we'll be doing under the Let's Talk More uh, for Ladies Can We Talk and America Can We Talk, Let's Talk More with me, Debbie Georgiatis. We're focused today entirely on what happened in Orlando, the horrific jihadist murder inside a gay nightclub called Pulse in Orlando, Florida, where 49 perfectly innocent people who were actually just trying to go out and have an evening out, enjoy some music, singing and dancing, were gunned down by a Muslim who uh, yelled Allahu Akbar while he was shooting people and killing them, who called 911 to to, uh, again express his allegiance to ISIS, the radical murderous Islamic group. So as we move forward in America in the days and weeks ahead and decide, how do we handle this? The point I made in the first hour, and I will just repeat it here with a couple other references, the point I made in the first hour that is vital to understand is in the Quran and in the teachings and writings of multitudes of of Islamic scholars and writers, homosexuality is defined as a crime, as an evil, and that the, and the proper punishment for it is prescribed as death by stoning. 
And in case it, we lose track of the numbers, there are literally in this world today, roughly 57 Muslim-majority countries or territories that have laws, that, and 40 of those, 40 of the 57, criminalize homosexuality. I want to turn and just mention a few other quotes from modern Islam scholars, modern spokesmen for the religion of Islam, who say the same thing. And there's a reason we're going to get to why I'm telling you all of this. And it relates to immigration, and it relates to how we deal with this threat that was posed by Omar Matim. Do we deal with it as a police action, or do we deal with it as an act of war? But turning back to a few more people who made comments, you just need to understand the breadth of teaching in Islam that punishes homosexuality or says homosexuality should be punished with death. In 2016, one of the educated imams in Tunisia explained that while stoning homosexuals to death may seem harsh, there is no ambiguity about this in Islam. He says, God is very straightforward about this. Not we Muslims, not subjective. The Sharia which is Islamic law we're going to talk about a little later in this podcast, the Sharia is very clear about it. The punishment for homosexuality, bestiality, or anything like that is death. We don't make any excuses for it. It's not our law. It's the Quran. And there are many other passages. I read one passage in the Quran. I won't read others, but there are many, many more in the Quran that underscore this same teaching, that homosexuality must be punished by death. And then in Iran in April 2012, Ayatollah Abdullah Javadi Amoli, again, an Iranian in April 2012, an Ayatollah said, the homosexuals are inferior to dogs and pigs, which are already in Islam very low down the totem pole. Homosexuality, homosexuals are inferior to dogs and pigs since these animals presumably, presumably do not engage in such acts. A cleric on British television said, what should be done to those who practice homosexuality? Torture them, punish them, beat them, and then give them mental torture. And also, just again, one more, and then we will move on to my next point, but it's what I really want to get at is, if you listen to the American media and you listen to the American left, what they're trying to tell you is that Omar Mateen was, you know, he was struggling with his own sexuality. He thought maybe he was gay. He didn't want to be gay. That maybe he was, had engaged in a gay lifestyle or at least been on the edges of it. And so all of this conduct of murdering 49 innocent people has nothing says the American left has nothing to do with Islam. It has to do with the shooter, Omar Mateen's confused, frightened, whatever you want to call it, mentality. And that couldn't be more of a lie. And the reason it matters so much is we can't solve the problem if we don't understand what the problem is. And one key component of the problem is that the Quran and Islamic scholars around the world teach that homosexuality must be punished by death, not just in Muhammad's time, not just centuries ago, today in the modern world. And so if we, here in America, we have many people arriving on American shores coming from countries where this is regularly taught. We are in a situation where we have opened up our citizenry to 
the conduct of people who don't have the same respect for human dignity, human life, as the um, as people from different countries around the world. And on this, you know, this I want to be sure we tie in what Omar Martin did in Orlando is going to be talked about by the American left as though what is needed is a police investigation, is an investigation into how did he get radicalized? Who did he talk to on the internet? How can we connect with who he talked to? Did he possibly have someone supply him weapons? Who supplied him weapons? Did anyone help him scope out the nightclub? Did anyone help him plan it? Did anyone else know he was going to do this? And, and you know, there are laws about conspiracy, uh, but if you take any action to assist someone about to commit a crime, you can be charged as being a conspirator if you actually take an action to help them. In fact, there's apparently an investigation of Omar, Omar Martin's second wife underway because she apparently knew he was contemplating this attack, although she said she discouraged him from doing it, but she helped him scope out the nightclub. But again, the question that we have to decide as Americans is, and I'm going to get to this in the next segment, but is, should this be dealt with as a police action or should it be dealt with as another act of war against America? And I'm going to tell you, and I've said on this radio show, Ladies Can We Talk, many times, radical Islam is already at war with America. Already. We can sit back and say we want to call it a police action. We can sit back and say we don't really want to be in another war or that it's too vague to call it a war. But the problem is this, and I'll make an analogy to if you have a problem in your home. Let's say in your home you had a, a sink in the kitchen and something, the pipes beneath the sink were leaking water and the water's coming out of the kitchen floor. You can mop up the kitchen floor all you want and get it dry, but the leak is going to continue and the floor is going to keep getting wet. And until you get at the problem, which is finding the leak in the pipe and fixing the pipe, you're not really solving the problem. Treating Omar Mateen's attack at the Orlando nightclub, the Pulse, treating it like a police action is just like just mopping the floor in the kitchen and never fixing the pipe that's leaking. And I'm going to just spend a lot of time in this segment talking about uh, the number of acts, and just share some of them with you, the number of acts of Islamic aggression against Americans on American soil. Uh, there are, in fact, I'll put this also on the Ladies Can We Talk and the America Can We Talk.org websites and also on our Facebook pages. But the number of attacks that have been that occurred against innocent Americans since 1972, there have been 72 different attacks by Muslims on Americans in the name of Islam or due to Islam. This one in Florida was obviously a huge one, 49 people killed. We had the July 2015 attack in Chattanooga, Tennessee, five people killed at a recru recruiting center, a military recruiting center. We had the Boston Marathon um, which was April of 2013. The Boston Marathon killing was three people killed, 264 athletes injured, many of whom lost limbs. We had the Fort Hood attack in November of 2009, 13 people killed, 31 injured by a Muslim yelling Allahu Akbar. And we have 
numerous examples of Muslim families who came to America and tried to impose Sharia law on their families, killed their daughters, their wives, their brothers-in-law, anyone who was uh, behaving in a way that the shooter decided was not consistent with Islamic law. So we've had 72 attacks, 3,160 dead in America, and that includes the people on 9-11. Without the 9-11 victims, 184. And the reason I say all this is, we are ignorant if we keep talking about the war being against ISIS or the war being against uh, some other group like Boko Haram. The war is ultimately the ideology of radical Islam against America, Western civilization, Christianity. The war is basically against America. Our job is to recognize we're in a war and treat it that way. And after the break, we'll talk more just about how we can go about treating it that way. The digital destination for premium talk radio. Owning your own business is one of the most rewarding things you'll ever do. But it certainly isn't easy. For nearly 50 years, business owners have been getting the help they need from SCORE. All for free. My SCORE mentor helped me take the first step. He helped me create a business plan and helped me implement it. SCORE mentors are passionate about sharing their expertise to help small businesses achieve success. I could not have done it alone. Whether you're a startup or an existing business, SCORE mentors can help you achieve your goals and help your business grow. With more than 12,000 volunteers with real-world business experience, SCORE is ready and willing to help make your dreams come true. SCORE helped me to make the unimaginable possible, all for free. Visit SCORE.org to get started today. SCORE, for the life of your business. My name is Ernesto Miranda with Walker Miranda Design Studio, Principal. We are a commercial and high-end residential interior design firm with architectural capabilities. We do anything from restaurants, multifamily, commercial office, and retail. A lot of design firms tend to have a signature look. We don't. We really take our clients' brands seriously. It's really important for us for our clients to have that signature look. That's what we create for them. For more information and a free consultation, visit us at walkermiranda.com. You can also reach us at 214-680-7202. I remember the moment. I remember the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. A storage tank ruptured, and for miles, chemicals were pushing up against the riverbanks. This was a big, big deal, and it was going to have a serious impact on communities up and down the river. I remember the moment this local guy came up to me and said, they call the guard out for this stuff? You probably thought we were all about hurricanes, tornadoes, fighting Mother Nature. Hey, it's a chemical spill. It's a disaster. It affects the water supply, threatens wildlife. We're talking about the health of entire communities and people's livelihoods. You bet we're ready for these kinds of things. We were out there with booms to prevent the spill from expanding. We're responsible for protecting and monitoring the sensitive wetlands. I also remember the moment that same guy came up to me and said, I don't know what we would have done if they hadn't called the guard up. Learn more about how you can protect your friends, families, neighbors, and the environment. Everything that makes up your community. Go to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Texas National Guard. Aired by the Texas Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
Hi, I'm Shantae Hawkins, the bottom line strategist and CEO and founder of Profit is the New Black. Many business owners believe that the numbers aren't sexy. I'll tell you what's not sexy, being broke. It doesn't take money to make money. It takes action, consistent action. That's exactly what I was able to help my clients do. Take them from multiple five figures to six figures in their business and even from multiple six figures to seven figures. To find out more about me, you can check me out at ProfitIsTheNewBlack.com or pick up the phone and call me at 972-375-0777. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm a school bus driver. I am a parent. I am a teacher's aide. And I agree to be identified as a caring adult who pledges to help bullied students. I will listen carefully to all students who seek my help. And act on their behalf. To put an immediate stop to bullying. I will work with other caring adults to create a safe learning environment for all the students in my school. In my school. In my school. In my school. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, president of the National Education Association. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult and take the pledge at nea.org slash bullyfree. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. Bully-free. It starts with me. Visit nea.org slash bullyfree. A message from the National Education Association. Hi, I'm Jason Troy. I'm a business and executive coach. I can help my clients see the landscape out there, understand the strategy, really understand the people in their organization that they need to affect, influence, and lead, and also external parties and how to manage those situations and really decrease the amount of stress, trauma, and even drama in their lives. And that creates some massive uplift for them. For more information, you can go to BeExtraordinary.tv. That's BeExtraordinary.tv. You're listening to RNCN. And welcome back to Ladies Can We Talk. This is Debbie George Addis. Ladies Can We Talk, soon to be America Can We Talk, changing our name on July 4th. This is our very first Let's Talk More podcast. I want to turn, we're talking today entirely about the Orlando incident, the Orlando incident in which 49 perfectly innocent Americans were gunned down in a jihadist attack by Omar Mateen, an American-born Muslim who yelled Allahu Akbar as he was killing innocent people with a gun inside a nightclub. And we're trying to talk through the facts versus the fiction, because if we can't get the facts straight, we cannot figure out the way to solve these problems. And we were talking before the break about whether to treat this um, conduct by Omar Mateen as just something worthy of a police action, a police investigation, or whether it's really worthy of being recognized as one of the, it's the latest and one of the many acts of war by radical Islam against America. And here's where we get into it just confusion. It's harder to think about. You know, in the uh, Revolutionary War, we knew the Redcoats, the British, were at the border, uh, at the uh, harbor, and they were going to attack us. We recognize our enemy by a country and by a uniform. And during, you know, fast forwarding during World War II, we recognized our enemy by a country or several countries were on the other side, the, the evil side, and by their uniforms, we recognized them as that. But this war that is going on today between radical Islam and 
Western civilization, Christianity, America, Israel, it's just as much of a war, even though the enemy doesn't wear a uniform. It's just as much of a war because the absolute determination by radical Islam to, and I, I say radical Islam, we're going to get to a moment in a moment to the question of whether what's the precisely correct term to use in describing the people who commit these kind of acts. In just a moment, we'll talk about that. But the reason it's important to understand that this is a war is because we would change many policies in America if we would be willing, be honest enough and have our government, our, our president and our Congress recognize this as a war and treat it as one. And you know, when I say a war, it's not a war against, it's not a war fought on the other side by one particular country, but it is a massive in the millions and millions of numbers of people who view the literal teachings of the Quran as well as of the Sunnah. And the Sunnah is the list of teachings or the teachings that come out of the life of Muhammad, his words and his actions. That's in the Sunnah. And there are all sorts of other holy Islamic scripture beyond those two that contain advocacy for violence. And one vitally important concept to understand about Islam is that Islam's, Islam has, since its inception, been a religion of conquest. It's a religion of forced domination over others, starting with Muhammad's life and throughout Islamic history. Islam spreads by their own desire, not by, uh, as a Christian missionary would, try to share the words and teachings of Jesus Christ and try to invite people to read the Bible. Islam has been spread by conquest, murderous military force since its inception. And Today, what we're seeing is not just one attack by a young man at the nightclub. We're seeing the latest foot soldier in this large war taking on his world, someplace in his world he can commit an attack. That's what we're really seeing. And Islamic ideology contains one idea called Sharia. And you may hear about that, and I'll just tell you briefly about it. There's much to be read about it. But Sharia is Islamic law. Sharia comes not just from the Quran, but the teachings in the Sunnah and many other teachings over the centuries by uh, what they would consider their holy scriptures or their clerics. So Sharia is what you see when you see, for example, that Muslim uh, ISIS and other Muslims throw gay people off the top of buildings. That's an example of Sharia. Sharia is a brutal, barbaric, um, indescribably vicious set of laws that says, for example, and it still happens today, including in supposedly modern countries like Saudi Arabia, you know, you're caught stealing, they cut off your hand. They actually still do these things in these countries, not just in backwater, tiny little provinces where civility and modernity hasn't arrived yet, in what are supposedly civilized societies. Part of Sharia is just the notion that very violent punishments follow all conduct, apostasy, denouncing your Islamic faith. If you decide, I, I grew up Muslim, but now I don't want to be Muslim anymore, the punishment is death. No choice, can't change religions. The punishments are brutal. But in addition, Sharia is woven into Islamic teaching, and part of the duty of a loyal Muslim is to try to spread Sharia around the world. To have Sharia replace the law 
in countries around the world. In the most strict Islamic countries, Sharia and federal government laws is exactly the same thing because there is no distinction. The, there's not the enlightened distinction we have in America where we have freedom of religion. So we have a government that is not run by any religion and we have religion separate from government. We see that as an enlightened way to respect the individual liberty of people in America. No one's forced in or out of any religion, and you can change your religion every day, and you're not in trouble with the government. Under Sharia, all law flows from Islamic law, and all law must be spread everywhere to the, to, with the goal of undermining the laws of the country into which Islam spreads. The goal of Islam is a caliphate, which is ultimately, the international control of the entire world under Islamic law, under Sharia. This is the goal, what a caliphate is. ISIS right now in uh, Syria and Iran is claiming that it has already a small caliphate. The land ISIS has conquered through murderous, barbaric conduct is considered the, the planting, the roots of a modern-day caliphate with the goal of spreading that caliphate around the world. So understanding Islam is by its words and teaching a conquest ideology. It is a brutal force, take, uh, take force, control over others ideology. And if you, I want to just share a few things with you because the idea of jihad, by the way, jihad is holy war. And jihad means to Muslims that you must kill or convert infidels. If people, Christians, atheists, Jewish people, whoever they are, if people will not convert to Islam after a Muslim has told them they must, jihad says you must kill or convert that person. And these are not words by just Muhammad in the early first century. Here are some modern day people saying the same idea. I could spend the next hour on this show reading quotes like this. I'll just read you a few. Ali Goma, the Grand Mufti of Egypt, the highest Muslim religious authority in the world, said in 2008, Muslims must kill non-believers wherever they are unless they convert to Islam. The president of Al-Azhar University, Muhammad Saeed Al-Tawani, that university being the most prominent and authoritative institute of Islamic jurisprudence in the world, approves the killing and maiming of Christians, Jews, and other infidels, adding, this is not my personal view. This is what the Sharia law says, the law of Allah, the only valid law on the earth. So if I read you 10 more of those, you would start to get a flavor that people in countries around the world who practice Islam are taught these things in elementary school, in high school, in college, in their mosques, in their, from their elected officials, from their government. They are taught the idea, Muslims are taught the idea in many countries in the world, including from the Chief Justice of Saudi Arabia, the most prominent Muslim scholar of the 20th century, Sheikh Abu Allah Madudis, in his book, Islamic Law and the Constitution, says Islamic law must mold every aspect of life and activity. And the reason I'm dwelling on this so much today is, as we turn to our final segment after this next break, I want to talk about what this reality means for American policy, American immigration policy, and how we treat this as a war by Islam against the free world. Because if we continue 
to just observe things happening, like the Fort Hood shooting, like the Orlando nightclub shooting, like killings by Muslims in America and around the world of innocent people as just bad acts by bad actors who are perverting Islam. We are not dealing with reality. We're not dealing with truth. The truth may be that the majority of Muslims in this world are peaceful. And I agree that is a a true story. The majority of Muslims in America and around the world are peaceful. But they are acting on the teachings of Islam. They are acting on the teachings and the words and the writings and the active scholars today around the world urging jihad toward innocent people, urging, urging people to commit the kinds of acts we saw in Orlando. So we come back. What do you do when you love America and you want to keep our country the precious bastion of freedom? What do you do to deal with this? I'll tell you after the break. RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. I'm Jason Holsey, owner of Load Bearing Wall Pros. Your home is your biggest single investment. Why let two bucks in a truck guess on what structural members need to be installed in your attic or ceiling? Leave that work to the Load Bearing Wall Pros. If you're like everyone else and you don't know where to turn to have this wall taken down, look no further. Load Bearing Wall Pros are here at your service. We remove load bearing walls to open up floor plans. Visit us at loadbearingwall.com. That's loadbearingwall.com. Hi, I'm Jasmine Dodson, and I am an attorney with Dodson Legal Group. I manage the family law, civil litigation, and estate planning divisions of the firm. Five years ago, I ended up joining the practice because I really wanted to get involved with people and help them make the decisions that are going to affect the rest of their lives. We want to make our clients feel comfortable. We want to make them feel welcome. And we want them to understand that they can trust us with their case. Find us on the web at www.dodsonlegal.com. Give us a call at 469-317-3330. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can sometimes be a battle in itself. Making the transition back to civilian life or active duty with a traumatic injury can be the challenge of a lifetime. The USO provides every American a way to support our wounded warriors and their families through every phase of their medical treatment and rehabilitation. It's how all of us, as a community, can give something back to our heroes. It's how we can say thank you and assure them that their sacrifice is recognized and appreciated by every one of us. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in the lives of our wounded warriors and their families. The USO. Until everyone comes home. My name is Ashley Cook, and I am CEO and founder of Zocum. In our industry, we're still having real estate agents drive checks, drive contracts, and it's a huge liability for all the parties. Our customers matter. Zocum is revolutionizing the real estate industry in the way that transactions are done by speeding up the sales cycles, taking out the manual deposit, and connecting the consumers to the title company. It's www.zocum.com, Z-O-C-C-A-M.com. This is my car. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it's nice. Nice. Gets me to work and to the mall, though it's kind of trash with all my stuff. Stuff. I swear there must be 30 CDs laying around in my workout bag. Oh, and my laptop. Laptop. Like I said, a mess, right? It's perfect. But it's perfect for me. Good gas mileage and 
Once it's paid off, all mine. All mine. Hey, want to go for a drive? Let me get my purse. Just be a second. Just takes a second. Where you are, they are. Last year in Texas, car thieves stole roughly 100,000 cars and trucks and burglarized thousands more. They looked for anything of value inside or if you left your keys or failed to lock the doors. When you leave your vehicle, hide your things, lock your car, and take your keys. Remember, you hold the key. Okay, I'm back. And my car? Where's my car? This warning from the Texas Auto Burglary and Theft Prevention Authority. Hi, I'm Graham, inventor of the Sneak Guard. Our homes are full of adventurous snoopers. They go through everything until they find something they like. Children, roommates, babysitters, teens, pets, you name it. Snoopers are everywhere. Sneak Guard is the world's first purpose-built locking vacuum storage container designed to protect snoopers from the unintended ingestion of medications and more. Safe, responsible storage. Available now at sneakguard.com. S-N-E-A-K-G-U-A-R-D.com. And welcome back to the final segment of my very first Let's Talk More podcast. This is Debbie Georgiatis. I'm the host of Ladies Can We Talk, soon to be called America Can We Talk. And this very first podcast is dedicated to one of the most outrageous, deeply troubling events in American history. And I'm speaking of the attack in the Orlando gay nightclub called The Pulse by a an American-born Muslim who shot and killed 49 different people while yelling Allahu Akbar and 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 ultimately himself was killed by the police and so we're in the aftermath we're in now 2 days later and the question for Americans is how do we go forward to actually do the best job we can to prevent things like this from happening And so I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I just want to say that this, the determination of President Obama, the American left, and the media to find some other scapegoat rather than the real culprit is appalling and dangerous. This man acted, Omar Mateen acted on the teachings of Islam. It doesn't matter whether he thought he was gay, he wanted if he was gay, it doesn't matter. He grew up in a religion that teaches this. And it doesn't matter that the majority of Muslims in the world do not commit acts like this. That's kind of like saying, don't worry about the Nazis because lots of Germans who lived in Germany during World War II were really peaceful and they were not anti-Semitic. So don't worry about the Nazis. You got to worry about the bad guys. You got to worry about the bad guys and you have to recognize that Islam teaches exactly how this guy acted. Now, there are moderate Muslims everywhere. There are moderate Muslims trying to change their religion, to drag it out of the Stone Age to bring it into modern life. And that's great. And we can support them. But our job as Americans and President Obama's job is to protect American citizens. Job number one for the president. And his reaction to this horrific incident has been profoundly unpatriotic, profoundly ineffective. And so I want to just tell you a couple things why I say that. We have in America, we bring in Islamic refugees all the time. We're worried about, and and there are many innocent refugees who are being driven out of their homes by ISIS. They and they are flooding Western Europe. They are flooding other countries around the world, and there are some being brought to America. But the problem is, 
how do you know that the people we bring to America, whether they are the refugees from the Syrian refugee crisis, whether they are refugees brought here under the Refugee Resettlement Program, or any other refugee effort. In fact, President Obama announced recently he is going to reduce the amount of time that the officials can spend investigating and vetting these refugees. So let me just tell you this, Homeland Security testified in Congress in 2014 Jennifer Lasley, a deputy undersecretary at the Department of Homeland Security, testified they simply cannot stop ISIS from coming into the U.S. They cannot do it. We don't have a way to do it. We don't know. She said we don't know what we don't know. We only have estimates of how many Westerners, how many extremists are in ISIS ranks, how many are coming in as refugees. So you already know you have a problem when your own security agency tells you we can't stop this. Number two, take a guess how many refugees from countries that execute gays how many refugees in America already brought here from countries where execution of gays is the law? How many think we resettled in America? Nearly three-quarter of a million. We've already bought nearly 750,000 people to America who grew up hearing and understanding that the right answer to in the treatment of gays is execution. And we bring them here, and we have no idea what percentage of them might be violent. And then we have the numbers, just to be clear, how many Muslims are on the world? 1.5 billion. 1.5 B with a billion. Billion with a B. Okay, that many uh, Muslims exist in the world. Say only 1% of them would actually commit violent jihad, which is a grossly low estimate. But say it's a very conservative estimate. Say 1% only. That's 15 million people in the world who would commit Orlando, who would commit San Bernardino. We cannot, as a country, continue to bring refugees here who pose a threat to our security. And we don't have to. So I'm going to turn. I keep teasing the point, but I'm finally going to make it, which is, so what do we do as Americans? This is a war by radical Islamists ideology, radical Islam, which is in fact acting on Islamic teaching. Radical, by the way, the jihadists and even the guy at the Orlando nightclub, they are not perverting Islam. They are following its literal teachings. They're following it. I have Hundreds of quotes I could read you from Islamic leaders around the world urging jihad, urging execution of gays. You have to understand this is what they're learning. So what we can do in America, here's what a responsible president who actually wanted to protect Americans would do. Let me start with this. Did you know that in 2011, the Obama administration, according to U.S. Attorney General James Cole, and has been confirmed dozens of times, that the Obama administration has pulled back all training materials used for law enforcement and for national security communities and redacted, removed any reference to Islam, any reference to jihad, any reference to Sharia. You had pro-Islamic groups in America, including CARE, complaining that the training manuals for law enforcement and national security were Islamophobic. 
because they mentioned who the heck it is who's doing all this violence in the world. So the response to the Obama administration was to take out references in the training manuals. So suppose you're a scrub-faced, innocent, 22-year-old out of college. You want to go into national security. Nothing in your training is going to tell you anything about what jihad is, what Sharia is, what the dozens of terms you need to know if you are in national security, what they even are. So job number one of someone who's serious about protecting America, deal with facts and reality. Put those factual terms, put those words right back into the training manuals and retrain the people who came through alleged training and never got told those things. Put those references to Islam right back in the terror training materials. Number two, immigration policy. Now, as all my listeners know, I am no fan of Donald Trump, but he is right when he says we must cease bringing Islamic immigrants to America until we can find a way to vet them. And folks, I don't know if that way exists. I will tell you that because what you're vetting for is not are you currently a member of Al-Qaeda? Are you currently affiliated with Hamas? That's not good enough vetting question. The question is, it's a psychological, are you with the idea in Islam that it's okay to kill innocent people because they won't convert to Islam? Are you okay with the idea that we should execute gays? The job of the vetting people is really, really hard, but that doesn't mean that we abandon it. It means we have to do it. The idea of bringing more San Bernardino killers, more Orlando killers to America's shores based on some politically correct, but we don't want to discriminate idea is a murderous abandonment of the obligation the president has to defend this country. Other things we have to do, we have to reintroduce monitoring mosques in America. We don't have to wait to find out which ones are radical. We have to be monitoring the mosques. We have to reintroduce police patrols in Muslim-majority neighborhoods because, as we found out in the Blind Shake trial, police reviewing neighborhoods, cruising through neighborhoods, you'll get someone who's Muslim, who lives, who is a peaceful Muslim, who lives in an Islamic majority neighborhood, who will talk to the police and the right there and say, hey, look for that guy three doors down. He, I know he's up to something. He's dangerous. He's going to do something. We, according to Andy McCarthy, the prosecutor who tried the blind shake, got tons of great information from Islamic neighborhoods because we were willing to do that police surveillance. We have to treat this like a war, not a police action. We have to fix the pipe under the sink, not just keep mopping up the floor. And the last thing we have to do is correctly identify the problem, identify the enemy. It's not just ISIS, it's not just Boko Haram, it's not just Hamas, it is the radical ideology of Islam, which must be eradicated in a civilized world. You know, folks, these are tough things we talk about. And ladies, can we talk? And America, can we talk? We talk about all sorts of issues and challenges facing America. This one is our modern day challenge. It's was communism half a century ago. It was fascism early part. This era is dealing with the ideology of radical Islam. And when you speak up for America, it includes being able to say we must do something to eradicate radical Islam. You're tuned in to the Real News Communications Network, streaming 24 hours a day at realnewscn.com.